podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello guys, what is going on? Daniel Childs back here again for my team selector ahead of the game against Everton tomorrow night in the Premier League. Before we do get into the usual preview stuff, we of course have to react to the Champions League draw that took place earlier today and whether I think that draw is a disaster or actually all right for Chelsea in the context of the draw. We'll get into that stuff. Before we do, I want to ask you guys, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button and the notification bell so you don't miss any of the uploads on the channel. Also, do me a favor by hitting that like button. Helps new Chelsea fans find the channel. If you're listening on the podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. Son of Chelsea is a part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. So, the Champions League draw took place earlier today. Chelsea, for the second year in a row in the quarterfinal, get Real Madrid. For the third year in a row, we face Real Madrid. The trilogy will indeed happen. Chelsea winning against Real Madrid in the semi-final in 2021. That got us to the final where we won the competition last season. A really agonising defeat at the Bernabeu after a dramatic first and second leg. I think the benefit this time, we are away from home at the Bernabeu in the first leg getting to go to Stamford Bridge in the second, where hopefully we can repeat what we did against Borussia Dortmund. Hopefully not having to come back from a first leg deficit. That is the hope. Um, but then, of course, as they do now, they also draw the semi-final out. So the potential semi-final draws and kind of split it into two um, sections. And we're on the tougher side of the draw, obviously. Manchester City versus Bayern Munich was one of the other quarterfinals drawn. And we are going to face one of them if we do beat Real Madrid in the quarterfinal which of course is a massive ask but the negative of course as well of the semi-final draw is that we would be home in the first leg rather than away so not the best case scenario Real Madrid is one of the toughest teams you can face they are the current holders and I think they look like the favorites for this season's Champions League quite incredible that on the other side of the draw you've got Napoli, Benfica and both Milan clubs uh, which means that one of those will reach the final of this season's Champions League which is just remarkable really and I think for a neutral point of view actually is quite refreshing that one of those teams will make it particularly those Italian clubs who haven't been at this stage for quite a while. But yeah, I mean, I'm not too angry about it. You can't be outraged about getting a difficult draw at this stage of the Champions League. Chelsea got fortunate. They did in 2021 when we got the favourable draw of Porto, which I think back then was kind of the one team everyone kind of wanted to get. We did get them. And then, of course, we're also placed on the side of the draw that was more favourable that season. But you need to beat these teams if you want to win the Champions League. And if Chelsea do indeed beat Real Madrid, we then go on to beat one of Man City or Bayern Munich and then go on to win the Champions League, you would have deserved it. You deserve it whenever you win the Champions League. But it's a difficult competition. We are in the last day of this tournament for a reason. It's tough. And that's what it is. So I'm excited to see that draw, to see the the game play out next month. And hopefully Chelsea in the Champions League can create some more magic and get revenge on Real Madrid after last season. Let's get into the preview. So looking briefly at Everton here, Sean Dyche obviously replacing Frank Lampard back in, I think it was late January. And he's made them more robust. He's got them some good results. I mean, most notably the win over Arsenal at the beginning of February looked like it was going to be a turning point, but they have suffered some bad defeats since then. So it hasn't been all good. They have lost to Aston Villa. They lost a very you know, emphatically away to Arsenal in the return game. But they did get a very, very good result um, at home to Brentford last weekend. A 1-0 win, a narrow win with Dwight McNeil scoring a really impressive goal at Goodison Park. 
So for this game, I think that Sean Dyche, we know what we're getting from Sean Dyche, particularly with the short period of time he has to keep Everton in the Premier League. It's going to be back to basics as it has very compact 4-5-1 formation at times that will look like a five, I'm sure, in defence. I always think the thing that, particularly when we were facing Burnley in recent years, that is good when you're facing a Sean Dyche team is they can be very narrow which of course makes it difficult for those kind of central players and particularly those kind of attacking midfielders to get into the game sometimes if it's well structured. But I think that really does benefit the wide players and the width within your team. If you've got good width, which I think the current formation Chelsea are playing does have with intelligent players like Reese James and Ben Chirwell, I think that's where Chelsea will be looking to get their joy to create chances and potentially finish them tomorrow night at Stamford Bridge. Let's get into some team news. Graham Potter, of course, made a little bit of a joke in the um, that went a little bit viral on Chelsea Twitter last night. Uh, in, I think it was like a private club Chelsea event, speaking about Chelsea winning the Champions League, which was good fun. And then in today's press conference, confirmed that Raheem Sterling is still out with a hamstring injury. Mason Mount, it looked like it was going to be available for this game, but has picked up another injury, even though he was selected for England duty next week, which is a bit of a shame. The big headline here that we've been waiting to see and, and get confirmation for for many weeks now, N'Golo Kante back fit, back in the squad. Highly doubt he's going to start. Highly doubt he's going to play much tomorrow. This is a guy who hasn't played since August when Thomas Tuchel was still head coach. That Spurs game, the second game of the season. And it's been such a long wait to see Kante back. And so much has happened, not only in Chelsea history, but also, you know, the conversations around N'Golo Kante's future. Is he going to stay? Is it worth giving him a new contract? I do just want to firmly say this because... I've seen people in the comments of my videos and then some people on Twitter saying that I want to see N'Golo Kante be sold. I hate N'Golo Kante. Absolute nonsense. And, you know, it's the classic kind of warping and just being disingenuous and just kind of lying about what I say about players. It, no one, I think anyone sane who has analysed N'Golo Kante at Chelsea would come to the conclusion that he's been a bad player for Chelsea or that we want to discard him easily. That's just complete nonsense. I have always said when we've had conversations about N'Golo Kante that he has been one of our greatest ever players, probably one of our greatest ever signings. That is undeniable. And at his best has produced performances unlike any other player I've seen at Chelsea in terms of impact on a team. If we do not have N'Golo Kante in 2021, we do not win the Champions League. I think there's many of us now who are kind of sitting there going, let's just keep him in, on ice effectively till those Real Madrid games and get him ready for those because that's when he can have his, his biggest impact. If Kante's fit, and that has always been the big debate point, if you keep him fit for large periods of the season, he can be an extraordinary player. That has never been in question. And the fact that people can't understand that you can say simultaneously, you can hold the thought that, yeah, I think that N'Golo Kante is one of our greatest ever players. And when he's on song, when he's at his best, he transforms this team and brings us up to a different level in midfield. That is undeniable. But also, if you've got a player that is consistently injury prone, you need to think about investing in your central midfield for long term so then you don't rely so heavily on N'Golo Kante. But then also, do you hand that guy a new contract if he isn't going to be available for a majority of the season? That doesn't mean you disrespect the player. I just, I just, the fact that people can't comprehend that reality is just silly to me. But that's that's the truth. That's just the way I've always approached it. And, you know, I think a lot of people can kind of deal with that nuance, but some can't, unfortunately. But let's uh, mini rant over around N'Golo Kante, but great to have him back and also exciting to see just Enzo Fernandez now in N'Golo Kante. If we can see that at some point, hopefully we will in the coming weeks before the end of this season and hopefully they protect him well, keep him ready and we can get him fresh and match fit and, and get that intensity up by the time we do face Real Madrid next month. 
My lineup, of course, isn't going to involve N'Golo Kante from the off because it's very unlikely this guy has just come back from a very, very long stint away. Hopefully, we will get maybe 20, 30-minute cameo. I'm sure that may be the, the belief just to get him some match fitness again. But we're sticking with the 3-4-3, obviously, and we're sticking with a number of the names that have played in recent weeks because why would you divert so radically away from that when it has been working for Graham Potter? Kepa in goal. I'm bringing Benoit Badiashile back into my defence here. Motka Correa had two good performances, but I do think Everton are going to be very reliant in this game on, on being physical, being direct, and also relying on set pieces. And I think that's when you need a bit more height, a bit more physicality. And it's not only that Benoit Badiashile does have that. I also think if he is going to play Damari Gray, Sean Dyche is kind of the centre forward. We've seen also Benoit Balishile have the agility to deal with a, with a fast forward line. I think he's done that consistently. So he does have that kind of dual purpose. But I also think that for a more physical kind of aerial presence that Chelsea will need to deal with tomorrow, I think I'd bring back kind of a natural centre back in this environment. Benoit Balishile, who's done very well since signing for Chelsea in January. Kanadu Koulibaly at the centre of that back three has also done nothing wrong, really asserting himself there. And we also know from a passing point of view how important he can be with switches of play, which I think could be important in Chelsea trying to break down what I suspect will be a low block by Everton. Wesley Fofana getting that call up for France, very uh, well deserved. And he's also done incredible things and also is now providing an aerial threat and, and a set piece threat at corners. So if we can continue that good delivery, which doesn't usually last long at Chelsea, if we can continue that at Chelsea, Fafana has already proven in the last few games how dangerous he can be from those set-piece opportunities from corners. Then we move into the centre of the pitch. Ben Chirwell, left wing back, off his goal against Leicester and also an incredible performance against Borussia Dortmund, of course, is going to start here. Mateo Kovacic off his rare goal and great goal against Leicester last weekend and also probably likely to hold the captaincy. Enzo Fernandez as well, who I felt had his best performance in a Chelsea shirt so far last weekend. Let's hope that passing and influence continues. Then Reese James, who hopefully is back from illness. Uh, Ruben, I felt, did a competent job last week, but Reese just takes it up to another level. It's going to be very important that Chelsea, in a number of ways, look to exploit out wide, look to create those uh, rotations out wide with the forward line, but also the way we can stretch the pitch, particularly as we know Chilwell. The way Chilwell can make those inward runs really, really dangerous and very intelligent runs too uh, that can sometimes create overloads, but also just create a very direct way for Chelsea to get behind the defence, um, particularly if you've got an Enzo Fernandez who can play that pass and also Kaladu Koulibaly who was against uh, Leeds a few weeks ago. So I think that is a route for Chelsea to go for consistently um, tomorrow night. So I, I obviously want to see, I think the wing backs are going to be key once again as they are in this formation very regularly because you know you lack an attacking player you need to get further bodies forward and that's regularly how you do it and create width and create overloads out wide the front three as you can see we're not going to change it from last week the way it started last week Kai Havertz, Mikhailo Mudrik and uh, Joao Felix Mikhailo Mudrik I think is very close to scoring his first goal I, I really hope he gets it done tomorrow it's quite clearly very emotional for him when he thought he'd done it at Leicester and I do respect him that he fully committed to that celebration but unfortunately it was ruled out by VAR but very close and we see the speed he brings and it's quite clear in recent games that Potter is favoring having kind of what you'd consider a kind of a natural winger wide player a fast player as kind of a central player and then you you sort of let Kai Havertz kind of drift either behind that player, Joao Felix to 
to kind of the right because that is where of course Kai Havertz loves operating in that right channel did a lot in at his time at Bayer Leverkusen has rarely actually had the opportunity to do it at Chelsea but has proved very effective in the last two games when getting to go in that environment go in those areas and and make those runs into the box where of course he scored the goal against Leicester last week so for Mudrik I'm keeping him there I mean maybe you bring in Christian Pulisic here but I like the strategy of getting Kai into that area it is still March let's hope he can continue his good form Kai Havertz Joao Felix was very close to scoring a goal I mean I think that for for Joao Felix there's obviously the conversation going on at the moment whether Chelsea are going to actually buy him permanently and, and kind of the pros and cons of doing so but I think for Joao Felix another game where hopefully he can influence things again it's kind of that having that balanced sort of discussion around Joao Felix there are times that he does frustrate me when he was trying to play out stupidly last week against Leicester and that caused um, the Patson Dakar equaliser very bad decision making from him but also you see that elegance on the ball you see what he actually does to dictate things and connect Chelsea's play I think he is a very good connector player um, between different parts of Chelsea's game. So I want to keep him in this game. Let's hope he can have the finishing touch in front of goal. And uh, then we'll have the conversation, I'm sure, about whether he stays or goes. But I do think Drow Felix, Mudrik, and particularly Drow Felix and Kai Havertz, who form that connection, I just think keeping a majority of the players in those forward lines is very important at the moment. Keep that chemistry going. Keep that connection going. That familiarity that has been an issue for Chelsea and for Graham Potter to continue with this season. And I think that's very, very important tomorrow night. So that is my team. Let me know yours in the comments below. You can follow me on Twitter at Son of Chelsea. Now, we'll see you again very soon. All the best. Podcast Network.